Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. We're glad you've joined us to listen to a message from our pastor, Ashley Ellison. We believe God's word is powerful and that it can be applied to our lives so that we may live victoriously. Let's join Pastor Ashley now as he shares the word with us. Are y'all ready to receive the word? All right, well, I, I know, I know that I know that God has something for each of us today. You know, so many people have not heard the good news of the gospel. But for those of us who have, we need to know whatever happens in our life, God is faithful. And that's what I want to talk about today, the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God. God is faithful. I really want to share some of what God has had on my heart. And this isn't really a one, two, three sermon, so if you're a note taker, uh, you'll probably get a lot of different points that I say, but you can't outline anything today. Um, I'm just talking, and I'm visiting, and what I'm wanting to do is I'm wanting to share what God has revealed to me through just time, through His Word, and through watching Him move and work in people's lives. I, I know we hear the phrase that God is faithful And I just want to start by making this point very clear. When you don't see God as faithful, you can't live the vision out that he has for us this year. We're we're wanting to be living by faith this year. That's the vision of Christian Ministry Church, living by faith. And just know, when you don't see God as faithful, you don't live by faith. And the sad part is, you're going to have a hard time being a part of Christian Ministries Church this year when you don't see that we serve a faithful God. And God is not the author of all of this death and darkness and confusion that is going on in our world. And a lot of people are blaming Him for it. And you know, it's not the world that's doing it. It's God's people blaming Him for what's happening. God is getting the blame for stuff he didn't do. And for some of you today, today's message could be preached just by having people look at your life. Praise God. Your life shows the faithfulness of God. I'm looking around and I've just, I've watched your life and your life of faith is an example of the faithfulness of God to you. Because you've went through storms, you've went through trials, you've went through tribulation, if you will, in your own life. And what I'm telling you, I'm looking and I'm I'm making eye contact with people right now that I know that I know that I know what you've went through this last year. And I've seen the faithfulness of God because I've seen your faith. And see, you can't live by faith and not show the faithfulness of God. And it's, it's not going to do us any good to spend a second more this year without talking about God's faithfulness to us, because if you don't get that, you're going to have a hard time ever living by faith. We all have to be constantly reminded of God's love for us, His presence in our life, His faithfulness. See, the enemy wants you to blame God for all the problems that are going on in your life and other people. Everything that doesn't go your way would have to be God's fault since He is the author 
And we say that here. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Well, if he's the one writing my life, and he's got a pen, and he's just telling every specific part of it, and we're trying to live by faith, and we've got life going on that we're not really liking right now, you've got to first see God's faithfulness in your storm. For you to be able to live faith out to get through it. The good news of the gospel, Jesus came to give us good news. The good news of the gospel is God never separates himself from us. Let me just say that again because I know we've all felt like he did. But the good news of the gospel is God doesn't separate himself. So know that the enemy's plan is to get you to separate from him. See, he never separated from us, so the enemy knows the only hope he has because he can't get God away from us. He can get you away from God, and that's his plan. This is a great church, and you got to know that the, the many people that have came through these doors, there are some that are not here today because of a trial or an affliction that the enemy used to pull them away. But God never did that. God never left them. He didn't forsake them. But they somehow, through what they went through, were convinced that God did. And he didn't. Persecution, death of a loved one, a sickness or disease, a hurt, even a wrong response from someone that said they were a Christian or was a leader in God's house. Something was done, something was said, and then they removed themselves and they blamed God because if there was really a God that was writing my life out, he wouldn't have allowed me to go through that. And so we remove ourselves But God never went anywhere. The good news of the gospel is he is here, he is with you, and he never separates himself. Are you hearing that? I can spend an hour talking about this. In fact, I'm probably going to. Nothing, church today, I'm fully persuaded That there's no demon in hell, no circumstances in life, no trial, no tribulation, no things seen, not things unseen, nothing nothing shall separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. You've got to proclaim that. That's got to come out of your mouth. And I pray that that resonates in each one of you today. I'm convinced there are people here today that are not persuaded, much less fully persuaded, that nothing can separate them. That's why I'm preaching this message. Because I've watched for 18 to 19 years, people get separated. And it's never God's fault. And it sickens me. It hurts me. It's one of those things that is grieves me when I watch people allow circumstances of life to separate them from a God who the good news that Jesus came and proclaimed is that he never separates himself from us. Why are you hearing that? Well, boy, I'm telling you, I think he does. I think he does. Please hear me out. I'm going to give a lot of scripture today. 
And if I don't get to it today, I'll get to it next week. If I don't get to it next week, I'll get to it the following week. Let's let the Lord show us through his word and encourage us today to know that he is faithful. He's faithful. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In this passage of scripture, Paul is dealing with God's people concerning Israel. And what he's saying is, don't follow their example of idolatry. That's what he's talking about here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You know, people in the church are still dealing with idolatry. I'm going to use a lot of churchy words today, but I'll try to explain them. You might hear idolatry and go, I don't really know what that is. It means an extreme love or reverence for something other than God. It's putting something in priority over God. And Paul is dealing with people in the church, and he's dealing with immorality and things that God condemns that they're okay in, like what we see in our culture right now. Paul is saying, don't follow the unbelief of God's people who aren't operating in belief. They're not operating knowing that he is faithful to them. Don't follow the example that they're setting. It's wrong. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Now, God is faithful. I want to keep saying that. God is faithful. That's the whole point of everything I'm talking about today. God is with us. I was really doing a word study, as I do a lot, because when I hear a word in the English language, I know that sometimes God has way bigger of a picture here than what we can interpret or what we can really understand just based on our language. The word temptation, you're not tempted by. The temptations in your life, it's amazing here. In the original language, it means adversity. Adversity. So you're not going to face adversity in life that's any different than what others have faced. Now that might bring a little bit of comfort because we all have been through, going through, will go through at some point, trials, adversities, uh, afflictions, if you will. And, and the word temptation in the Bible is talking about these adversities we go through. Let me give you an even deeper rooted word here that goes with this. It's not just adversity, it's the experience of evil. It's the experience of evil. Oh, man. We have many that have experienced the evil of this world. Bad things happen to good people. I don't even like saying that. But the truth of the matter is the Bible speaks very specifically to that. We don't have all the answers. Why and how did this go? We don't always know. And we spend a lifetime trying to go, why did this happen to my kids? Why did this happen to my spouse? Why did this happen to my parents? Why did this happen when I went to this church? And it doesn't here, but it probably will. And we, we live knowing that we can't get all the answers, so we separate ourselves from a God who says he never separates himself from us. So... The adversities, the trials, the frustrations, no matter where you are, you've got to know that we're in a world that has them. And us being in this world means that every once in a while it rubs shoulders with us and sometimes is right in our presence. 
we live in a fallen world, and you can know God's people will experience evil. Pastor, you shouldn't even let that come out of your mouth. Well, 1 Peter 4.12 says not to be surprised at fiery trials. So if we're not to be surprised by that, then take that up with the Word because the Word's the one that said it. Things happen because of a fallen world. And don't be surprised when that thing happens like something strange is going on. It's kind of like a fish in water. It's impossible sometimes not to get wet. It's a fallen world. The evil of the world is because of sin. I get all of that. Man's fall. Well, you're, I'm living sinless. Nobody's lived sinless except for Jesus. That's why we accept him into our heart and life. And you know, it wasn't God's plan for us to have to deal with evil. But he gets blamed for it all the time, even though it wasn't his plan. I've got to be careful to make sure and understand that when I'm talking about this, if you're not careful, you're going to get the wrong perception of what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is God is faithful. So you've got to always go back, and that's a disclaimer behind everything that I'm saying today. God is faithful. Well, if God is faithful, then I would never get wet like a fish in. Well, you wouldn't be able to live in the world and not experience this junk at some level. But praise God, when you're in water and you're getting wet, the greatest thing you can pray and hope for is a lifeboat or something to get you out of it. And God sent Jesus to get us out. Well, I'm still in it. Yep. But you're not living a part of it. But you're still having to deal with the water that's all around you, the sin, the junk. So how do we do with that? You know that the faithfulness of God is still real. He doesn't ever leave us. He doesn't forsake us. You know, we know that one day he's not only going to redeem God's people, he's going to redeem the planet. Let me just spend just a second here. There will be a new heaven, and there will be a new earth. And I'm here to tell you that the world is not going to go up in flames due to global warming. Well, I don't know if I agree with you. Well, I can tell you, you may not, but the Bible is very clear that it is going to go up in flames based on the presence and the return of Jesus. There is an exciting time, and he will purge the world from evil. That's coming. All darkness, all sin, the ground, and the weather will all be redeemed, praise God. Day coming will there not be any more hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, disease, nothing to mess up God's plan for us. Nothing. See, the redemptive act of the cross and what he provided is in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There's no temptation, presence of evil, no adversity any different than what others have experienced. We're all at some point going through something. That is why it's so important weekly to be a part of a faith community. It's important to be a part of God's people getting together. Well, you can, you can be a part of the church and not go to church. Yeah, but I'm telling you, it's just a tough life to live outside of the church local. Everybody's going through something, and there's things happening all around us, and it's just nice to walk in here and get a hug, have someone bring some comfort. 
how's it going, and they don't really know what's going on in your life, but them just being in your presence with the Holy Spirit being the thing that's in common, all of a sudden you just you get built up. I don't know how to say it, but just being around God's people. I, I stand right here every Sunday, and I worship, and I'm, I'm enjoying the presence of God, and I look over, and when Rod Cowan's not there, it bugs me. Why? Because there's just something while I'm, even if we don't talk a lot except for shake hands or, hey, what's going on? It's just looking over and we're both worshiping together. It's like, I can get through this. I can make it. I, because there's nobody going through anything different. And when I'm around other people, that's how I know that. We're going through it, but we're still staying hooked up. We're staying hooked up. And it's tough. Because with all the bad things going on around us, we can know that bad things don't happen without sin. Well, you say, bad things happen to good people, but they're not always in sin. Exactly. I get that. That's true. But it's because of sin. It's because of sin that that separation that allowed the enemy to come in and do his little trickeries to try to pull God's people away because God promised, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm always there. Now, when the Church first started. I, I just I've never really talked about this since it happened, but I really thought everyone at the beginning of the church would be super excited to hear about all that God's doing. I just thought the second I would talk to somebody, they'd be like, "This is the greatest thing ever." I, I just I really I wasn't naive. I just really believed that. So maybe I was naive. I don't know. But I didn't think I was. I just thought I believed that everyone would be excited to hear the good news of the gospel, that God's never separate from you. And, I mean, I started out preaching this. I, I was just talking about the guys that were walking down the road, and, and Jesus comes up. This is after, you know, he had, had died, and, and he, they're just walking down the road. It's the first message I ever preached in this church, just walking down the road. And all of a sudden, they're talking to somebody and don't even know it's Jesus. But boy, later when they found out, they're like, wow, didn't our hearts just burn with fire inside of us? I remember reading that and thinking, that's the way everybody is. They don't even know it, but God's right there. And they're just walking down the road. And, and, and when they realize, whoo, that's God, and they just, they would be all excited. And, and that's, that's not what happened. I, I, I mean, it's not. The, the good news of the, why wouldn't everybody want biblical help to finances? We finally got some biblical help to our financial situation, and we started over time watching God move, and we're like, wow, wow, this is all real. It works. He can do more with the 90% than I can do with 100. I mean, all of these things I started watching and realizing, oh, wow, God, you're so good. Everybody's going to want to know about this. Nope. God, I, I, I don't know why everybody doesn't want help with their marriage because, I mean, I had a one horrible marriage. I mean, it was, it was hell in my house. I'm just telling you. I, you haven't even experienced hell. I have. It was, it was not good in my house. I mean, th there was a time I was just like, there's nobody that can have a worse marriage than I have. And then when God started healing it, and I'm like, I would see the look in my wife's eyes, and they weren't looking at me ready to kill me. They were like, oh, I'm glad you're home. I'm like, woo -hoo, this is works. Everybody's going to want to know this. And we would host marriage retreats. And I remember going to Pennsylvania, and this couple had us in, and they were just as excited about it as I was. And they had this big marriage retreat. We got there, and there was four couples. And I'm like, huh. I thought people were more excited. I know, me too. I don't know what's going on. Why aren't people excited? Because they don't know the faithfulness of God. 
And the enemy has this tool that he just keeps separating people from God, but he can't get God to separate himself from people. Now, why wouldn't everyone be as excited as I was? I, I still deal with this, okay? I don't understand why people aren't excited about a church cleaning day. Okay, maybe I get that one a little bit. But why wouldn't everybody want to serve in the church not to see Jared Doherty just because of the faithfulness of God? Why wouldn't everybody want to be in church every Sunday and Wednesday because of the faithfulness of God? I'm just telling you, I don't want to be anywhere else. I can't wait to be in God's house around God's people. And I don't let people remove me because I'm going to be in the presence of God around his people that are in his presence. So I just didn't understand. I don't get this. Why are people like that? Why are people so mean when you're telling them what could really help them? And I, I, I still deal with that. And I just, I went through a time where I just felt rejected by people. And here's the problem. I was being rejected because I was trying to help, and then I was questioning the faithfulness of God because I let people frustrate me as to why they're not as excited as I am. And what it started doing is I jumped into the trickeries of the devil right there, and he started making me question the faithful. I don't know if anybody else has ever been there. But that's where I was, and I was messed up. And I, I'm making people frustrated and I, I just don't understand it. I'm, I must not be doing it God's way because they're frustrated all the time. You know, as I was thinking about this, I thought there'd be a lot of good stories I could share, and, and I, I mean, I've got hundreds of them. But the one that really turned me, that got me thinking, and the enemy kind of got in and spurred me to try to get me away, myself away, not God away, get me away from him, here's what happened. I said in church, I, I, I said this line that we have a bunch of part-timers here. And I, 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 I wasn't trying to be mean. I, I mean, I went on to say, try keeping a job that you're full-time in and only show up half the time. Now, for all of you that are here all the time, you'll amen that. I get that. And you're trying to be careful about amen in it. Because right now, I'm trying to be careful that I don't make everybody mad again. But I went on to say, church is on Sunday and Wednesday, and if you're only going to one, wouldn't you consider yourself a part-timer? So welcome all you part-timers. We're glad you're here. That was the most dumb thing I've ever said, and I just said it again. I made somebody really mad. I'm, I'm talking really mad. And, and it was no one that was coming full-time. <laughs> Go figure. I apologized, and it didn't help. I, I watched this person, and I've just kind of separate themselves, and I'm like, oh, God, what have I done? You got to be careful. I mean, it was really what the presence of God told me. You need to be careful what you say because you get all your zeal and excitement, and you're thrilled, and I'm trying to tell them that I'm faithful to them. And you're going in and condemning them. Oh, man. Ow. I didn't want to hear that. And, but then on the other side of the coin, we have people that never speak the truth 
and everybody's okay, and it'll all be fine, and any way you want to get to heaven will be fine. And they never say Jesus is the only way. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father. See, the, everybody, so where is the balance? I don't know. Sometimes I'm over here, and I go, ouch, I probably shouldn't have said that. Father, forgive me. And if I hear someone that I offended, I apologize to them. But then if I go over here and I'm real straightforward and I speak the truth in love, somebody else will come up and say, thank you for speaking the truth in love. I needed to hear that today. What I'm telling you is don't get stuck with the teacher or the communicator or the preacher. Get excited about the Lord because he is faithful. And everybody else will mess up. And I messed up. And I'm not here to say anything about what I did was right, wrong. The fact is, in theory, what I said was right. But I got hurt because nobody wanted to get excited about being full-timers that were part-timers. That line didn't move nobody. And I didn't really check it out with God before I said it. I just said it. Not a good line. But I got hurt. That It seemed like there just wasn't a lot of people that wanted to grow. In fact, there was just a lot of people that wanted to stay mad. But then there was also a lot of people who did want to grow, and there are several that stuck it out and stayed hooked up and forgave the preacher for not checking with God before something came out of his mouth and realized that we're all in need of some grace every once in a while, and we were able to move forward. And what happened is, is now we've got a church that won't even fit down in that lower building. Can you imagine us just trying to all use the restrooms down there? Oh, that'd be horrible. See, the enemy gets you isolated thinking you're the only one, and that's kind of what he was trying to do with me. Ashley, you're the only pastor. You're the only pastor that can't motivate anybody. You're the only pastor that gets here and offends everybody. You're the only pastor that messes up every week by something that comes out of your mouth. On and on and on, and before long, I'm like, yeah, God may not have called me. Maybe I'm not really supposed to be doing what I'm doing. It was a lot better when I was singing for a living because every church I go into, they'd roll out the red carpet for me. But God, I thought you wanted me to minister to people more on a personal level on a day. Yeah, but they don't want what you have to say. And I got caught up on everybody that was frustrated instead of the ones that were thrilled. And I had to find that balance. But here's the thing. He'll convince you that your situation is unique. Nobody else has had to deal with what. No one shares my problem. Try being a pastor in a little community, not even a community, in a little group of people at the end of a dirt road. That's what it was. I was already being told by everybody that we were starting a cult. No way out from down there. Can't just drive by that church. I'm just talking about one thing after another coming in and the pressure I was dealing with. And I thought, nobody's ever done this. Nobody's ever done this. So nobody understands what I'm dealing with. Come on, you've got to take this message off of me and make the application into your own life. Somehow the enemy gets you isolated like you're the only one and he separates you from people. I, I, you know, a banana that's in a bunch is really good until it gets taken out of that bunch. And what happens when it gets taken out of the bunch? It gets peeled and eaten. That was a good illustration. I like that one. 
we got to learn the importance of community. <laughs> you won't remember anything I said today, but that one's going to stick in you. There are just places where you go through a trial and you need someone around that can encourage you. You need to know that you're not the first one that's ever had this problem and you're not the last. You won't be the first that God is faithful to and you won't be the first who overcomes through the blood of Jesus. You won't. I mean, it's, you've got to get past wherever you are and realize that God is faithful and you're not the only one that's ever gone through this. Huh. Psalm 34, 19. Y'all still with me? Psalm 34, 19. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. I thought if I could just operate in more faith. Okay, well, here's what I want to be really careful about. I want to be real careful as this church is teaching and preaching faith all year that you don't think you can operate in more faith and overcome God's unfaithfulness. If I just operate in more faith, then that'll move God. That does move God. Faith moves God. But here's what you got to know. You can't operate in more faith without you believing that God is faithful. There's got to be a belief. See, I thought if I could just operate in more faith, I wouldn't be facing all the troubles I was facing. But Scripture says many troubles, trials, afflictions, oppression, opposition, are faced by the person in right standing. Don't be surprised when you're in the middle of a trial. But here's what I can tell you. The Lord's going to come to your rescue every time, according to Psalm. You've got to be convinced of that. When our prayer team is up here praying over you, you've got to make sure that they're convinced that God's going to come to your rescue. God's going to come to your rescue. What he's not going to do is he's not going to make you come to him. He's already given you that choice, and he's already done everything you needed, and you're going to have to turn as you're running away from him. You're going to at some point have to stop and say, wait, I need to turn back and go back over there to where he's at. No, as soon as you stop and turn, right there he is. He's never left you. He's just walking right with you as you're walking away. Are you kidding me? No, that's what God does. Your faith, my faith, is directly connected to the faithfulness of God to me, to you, to you. So I can't let my mind drift and start thinking that God's not faithful. That's the whole message this morning. Am I, have I, I'm going to keep going. John 10, 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus is speaking this, and he says, but I've come that you may have life and that you can have it more abundantly. Okay, that's just a dividing line, and when God really just revealed his word to me through that, I was just like, that's just, I've heard that word my whole life, but it's just, it's a line that you've got to know. If it steals, if it kills, if it destroys, it is the enemy. But Jesus brings abundant life. God is not killing our kids. He's not making us sick. He's not making us poor. He's not bringing our world into the state it's in. God loves us. Romans 13, 10. Love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Now, I, I, I'm not, I don't have time to get deep on this. I'm going to talk more next week on some of this. But Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. You've heard that, we've taught on that, we've preached that, and, and if you want some stuff to, to study on that, come talk to me. I'll be happy to give it to you. 
But you, you got you got to get Jesus does not wrong you. Jesus doesn't wrong you. God is love, and love does not wrong. Love does not work against you. He is faithful, and he's talking about the faithfulness of God today. We've got to go to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, so many raised in church, and they're not in church anymore. In just the short time this church has been here, 18, 19 years, the short time Christian ministries, the long time of Christian ministries in Hot Springs, I have witnessed hundreds if not thousands leave the church. That's just in Christian ministries. I've watched them leave the church. They're not in it anymore. When they were plugged in, and I watched God move supernaturally in their life, and it's like they've left the church. What, what in the world? What were, why? Why would they do that? And they all got an excuse. Every one of them have an excuse. Let me just say this today. If just the prodigals, the prodigals that have left the church, the ones who at one time confessed, professed Jesus as Lord, if they just would return to the Lord and live his way, do you realize we wouldn't have any trouble in our country right now? I'm talking about across this country. People raised in church, give their heart and life to Jesus, and then now they're not following him. If just those people would turn, we wouldn't have the problems. Even if no one else were saved, we wouldn't have the problems right now we have. Now, eventually we would, but I'm talking about the generation that we're facing Right now, our young people right now, if they would have just stayed hooked up. But see, people can't stay hooked up. And here's my question, and we'll be forever. Why? Because there's an enemy that's winning a battle, and I'm sick and tired of it. And we've got to get sick and tired of him winning a battle, and we've got to be able to say, okay, I'm going to quit blaming everybody else for why I'm separated and know that God is faithful, and I'm going to start looking to him. Because if he's going to be my author, then you've got to let him finish and write it. And you've got to live the life he called for you to live. People just can't stay hooked up. Commitment is only emotionally deep. Commitment is only if you can tickle my fancy. See, whatever moves people physically is what the sad part is, is moving people into church, and it's what's moving them out. If the music, if the sound and the lights tickles you, then I can go there. Let me just tell you, I don't like our music as much as you might. Well, that's just mean. No, it's good. I mean, uh, we've got some very talented, the singers, the musicians, that trumpet player. I'm a wow. That last song today, when that trumpet started playing, I'm like, yeah, I'm in the presence of God. I like trumpets. We ought to have all of them trumpets. I'm in to the brass section. Organs? I, every time a tambourine hits, it brings back bad memories for me. Some of you Pentecostal people are like, yeah, they bring back good ones for me. Well, they don't mean. How about a, just a good quartet up here with a low-down bass and a high tenor? You can sit here and get so, and I can do that if I'm not careful. I can sit right on the front row and not allow myself to get in the presence of God, even though he's here. Because I'm caught up on, well, that music didn't tickle me emotionally. Well, wah, wah, wah. 
We've got, we've got ourselves into this place that if the preacher isn't funny, if he doesn't keep my attention, I've got to find another one. When the word of God was so deep, so real, so profound, and you weren't able to pay attention, and you let the enemy remove you because God was right there the whole time. See, I, I, I'm just, I'm sick and tired of people not staying hooked up because they're blaming everybody else for their non-emotional response. As soon as it doesn't tickle me, I'm out. We've got to get back to letting Jesus be our response and not everything else that goes on. He's the one that moves us. He's the one that brought us here. He's the one that will keep us here. And if we need to leave, he'll be the one that moves us out of here. But we're blaming a program. We're blaming somebody else for something. And Wait a minute here. And then ultimately the enemy's job is if he can blame you for everything else going on, then he'll start saying that God isn't faithful. God isn't faithful to me, and I just can't go to church because I just don't know that I can deal with all that heartache and frustration. And, or I haven't had it, but I've heard someone else did, and so-and-so was right. And the next thing you know, we're moved out of somewhere because we're looking at people and not looking at Jesus. I grew up without a lot of teaching. I did. I, I grew up in a preaching church. Now, they did really good at teaching salvation. And at the end of every message, I knew how to get saved. Although I had done that a long time ago and I needed some new teaching, and really I'm not trying to put down any of the churches I was in. I'm grateful for them. They gave me some real foundational truths. But I grew up in a primarily preaching congregation, and really I, I, I didn't get how to stay hooked up. Now, I was in all the programs. I, I was learning how to do church. I played Red Rover. Some of you are like, I've never played that. Well, we don't do it anymore because someone might get hurt. <laughs> and I did, or I was hurting somebody. I grew, some, Ask somebody old what Red Rover, they'll tell you that later. Preaching is, preaching is great, but you need to know this teaching is necessary. Yeah. And here's the difference. Preaching proclaims, teaching explains. And it takes a little longer sometimes to explain than it does to proclaim. I mean, I've been in churches that I'm talking about preachers preaching, and it was phenomenal. It's like uh, Jesus with a three-syllable. Jesus! Ah! And if they're not moving. And... I forgot we're on video. i got to quit that stuff. <laughs> Jesus died for our sins and was raised for our justification. No one explained what does it mean that Jesus died for your sins. What does that mean in our everyday life? What does it mean he was raised for my justification? Those are all churchy words. And you may be sitting here today going, what does that mean? Well, 1 John 2, 2, let me just give you this. He is the propitiation for our sins. That help? No, I just got more churchy. Not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Propitiation. Tough word. I, that's what I heard. It was in the King James. I always had the King James being taught. I mean, I thought I have finally arrived when the new King James came in. The new King James says he's the satisfaction for our sin. Okay, I can handle that one. He's the satisfaction. That means that we've been made right because of what Jesus did. He satisfied it. But let me just tell you. 
what that word really means in the Greek. It means averting the wrath of God by the offering of a gift. Averting the wrath. You don't have to have the wrath of God. It refers to the turning away the wrath of God as the just judgment would be he shouldn't turn away. We deserve death for what we've done. But a gift was given so that we could avoid that death. And when I, I, I'm totally convinced some of you today are going, amen, amen, I agree with all of that, and your life resembles the righteousness of God. There are some people that are dealing with, okay, I, I do doubt sometimes I'm, of how right, rightful, righteous I am. I sometimes doubt how faithful God is, and I'm dealing with this, Pastor, and and I, I, I'm really having some trouble. What I want you to know is when Jesus looks at you, he knew that you were in need of him. So he died in your place, and you go, I already know that. Well, good. I'm talking to saved people. You ought to be amen in this. So I'm just, that's good. I agree with all of that. Okay, so he died in your place. So when God looks at you, he looks at who the gift was. And he sees you through Jesus. That's the way he sees you. So guess what? He always sees you right. But pastor, you don't know what I've done. I, I, if you've accepted Jesus, he always sees you right. But I, you don't know what I did last week. He sees you right. See, God never left you. He didn't forsake you. Now, you're not seeing yourself that way because you're not seeing God as faithful. I'm getting deeper, and I'm just getting into what I'm going to start next week. But when God looks at you, he's looking and going, yes. Why? Because of Jesus. Yes. Now, if you haven't seen that Jesus could be your propitiation, he could be the one that doesn't cause the wrath of God on. When you see that, when you haven't done that, don't leave here without doing that. Well, I'm I'm just I got to get all emotional. You'll you'll get emotion to lead you there, and then emotion will just lead you out of it. Emotion hasn't been working. It's a decision to say, okay, I recognize what Jesus did on my behalf, and I am going to get things right. Don't leave here today without getting it right, because you need to be looked at by God as right. And the way He does that is you accepting what Jesus did. He loves you. He's not against you. It set me free when I realized God, when he's got his hand up and he's going like this, he's not wanting to punch me. He's wanting to root me on. Why? Because Jesus is in me and he's for me. It set me free when I realized he's not sitting here mad at me all the time. He's not just ready to pour his wrath out on me. Why? Because Jesus did what I couldn't do. The fact that he was raised from the dead is proof that he died, paid for our sin, and when he rose out of the grave, it was taken care of, and God is not mad at you. Okay, let me just give you a quick one, two, three of next week. Isaiah 53 talks about that, what I've been talking about. So if you want to prepare for next week, and if you don't, just wait. We'll read it all next week. But Isaiah 53 talks about what happened and why Jesus was needed because the wrath of God was coming, but there was a propitiation. There was a gift given. 
And then Isaiah 54, we're going to get to next week. And Isaiah 54 is really, really cool because Isaiah 54 talks about the blessing that can be in having your life in right standing and how to live that out every day of your life. See, Christ rescued you from the curse of the law. There's no wrath being poured out on God's people. There's none of that. There's a way of escape. And I'm telling you, it'll bless your heart when you get it. He says, don't fear. Man, our whole world says you better be scared. Every time you turn on the news, they're trying to put fear in you. But Jesus came so that we don't have to be scared of all that. We don't have to live in fear. There is no reason for that. He came to set you free of all your past sin, all your present sin, and all your future sin. You know he's already forgiven you for every sin that you're going to commit. I've said that before, and I've had people, that, that kind of rubs them the wrong way. That's a future tense. You can't talk like future. He's going to forgive you a future tense. He did this 2,000 years ago, so even your past sins were still future tense. Well, I never thought about that. Come back next week. You'll hear the rest of the story. Y'all stand. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.